are listening to the Latter-day Ladypreneur Podcast. I'm Sarah Grace Allred, your host. Welcome to a sweet mix of interviews with business gurus, as well as solo episodes with me about the lessons, strategies, and inspiration that brought me from bumbling around in business to playing big in the fantastic arena of entrepreneurship. Look, the real magic comes when you and I get to talk business alongside the brilliant words of Esther, Nephi, and even Sherry Dew as we explore who we can become while we engage in this exciting journey as a woman of faith and an entrepreneur. Let's get started. Allred and welcome back to the podcast. Can I tell you something? Today is interview day and sitting across from me is someone that reminds me so much of my own amazing mother. This is someone who has the ability to sit by you and feel like she is your greatest fan and that you are the greatest thing to have ever walked the earth and that you can really truly accomplish absolutely anything. And if any of you listeners know who, spoiler alert, Rana is, you are going to know exactly what it feels like to be around her. Now, I will claim my own little claim to fame for a minute. I had the opportunity to sit across her, not, not only recently, but to stay in her amazing home and to talk with her about the power of the veil and ancestors until, I'm not kidding, Rana, I think it was four in the morning, maybe five in the morning, I think that it was. (laughs) (laughs) Unforgettable. Unforgettable. I felt like a teenager again, and she is just so full of wisdom. She also is the incredible designer of RanaDesigns.com. You probably have her app on your phone. If you are like 99% of Americans, you've got her app on your phone and the extraordinary things that she does. I have also taken her incredible Design Your Life course that she does with her amazing husband, and she is rocking the business world. And I think that's important to know that she's rocking and rolling in that arena, but that she also so as a person is as good as people get by how you feel when you're around her and the work that she's accomplishing. So welcome the amazing Rana. I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. I love you. You're awesome. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're here. And what, what has been so fascinating watching you is I'm such a believer in like playing big in life. And you know that, like, I love to just play really, really big in life. And I feel like you beat me to the chase in that way. Like I remember watching you before I ever knew who you were. And I'm like, how is this woman doing it? How is she doing it? She is doing such incredible things in the business world. Like, where does that drive to just say anything is possible? Where does that come from? Such a good question. And, you know, when I was a mom with young children, I really did, um, like many of us, I kind of um, questioned, am I doing what's right? There were some messages that I was getting that um, told me to focus fully on my kids. And while I firmly believe in that, and that was, that was what I knew I was supposed to do, I also had this passion deep in my heart that I believe and believed was God-given and that I shouldn't ignore that. 
And so little by little, I started to recognize what that felt like in my life. I also recognized it looked different from the women around me and to not compare what they're doing. And well, if so-and-so is doing this and she's not doing this, then I should do that. And really what, what I learned at a young, at, at a young season in my life was to align with my God and know what he wanted me to do rather than looking around at what others were doing. And let me tell you, when I stopped that fighting, because there, it really was a, a fight inside, I just wasn't sure what to do. That's when I had the peace, the direction, and the courage to do those things that God was asking me to do. And sometimes I did have to have some hard conversations with people around me and say, I know this might look crazy. I know this might look um, unorthodox or whatever, but, but I knew that when I went to God daily to commune with him, that he was telling me to do this. So that is kind of what jump-started me. And then I, I look back in my life and I think, wow, he definitely would pivot me in different times because I was saying, tell me what to do. Tell me what you've put me on the earth to do. So I, I, sometimes I know that that can be a little bit controversial because Again, everybody's different and every woman is different and everyone's mission is different, right? But that's how it is for me personally. And that's what I've learned is to align with God daily and make sure I am right with him. And then he'll tell me what to do. Oh, I love that. I love that. And in observing you in so many different scenarios with a huge variety of women, whether it's women that are impacting people online, women in your ward, women in your neighborhood, that... I wonder if that kind of peace is what has allowed you to be truly the ultimate cheerleader. Like if there was an ultimate cheerleader award, it would be you. And has that allowed you to treat women differently, that peace? Absolutely. When I have that peace inside knowing that if God is telling me specifically and personally and directly what to do, then by all means, he's doing that to everybody else. And so it is easy for me to look at people and say, you go, I am so excited for whatever the Lord is telling me to do. And, and you can do it and have the courage and, and believe in yourself. And then I truly believe that when we are at that place, then we can lift those around us. And that is, I mean, to me, that's, that is heaven. When we can truly lift each other around us in such a charitable way that we truly know that that anybody else, whatever anyone else is doing is not taking anything away from us. I think that's one of the biggest things when I came to realize that, um, that, that there's enough to go around, no matter what it is, time, money, energy, ideas, experiences, work, whatever it is, there's enough to go around because that is God's economy. He is a God of abundance. And when we can feel that and we receive that peace and that love from him, then we can share that with others. And that's what I love about you, Sarah, is you, you get that you, you step into that and you own it. And then you allow others around you to do the same thing. You live people. So I love you. <laughs> oh, I, I love you. Yeah. I love you. And one of the things that really resonates for me in this moment is you use this word abundance. Okay. And I know that this is a word of yours and through experiences with you, I have come to understand this word differently. And it's actually a joke in in our family, the word abundance, because we're like, 
what does that mean? Like, what does that even mean to live in abundance? And my husband calls it a growth mindset. It's called many things. And I want to point out one thing, and then I want to turn the time over to you to help normalize the word abundance to our listeners, because it's so critical. And one of the things that Rana has taught me about abundance is that when she says there's enough to go around, she's not talking about that there's a, a church mice five cent piece to go around. We are talking absolute huge blessings, abundance, which she'll explain to you. Like there are big things to go around for everyone if you really know God as he is. So can you help normalize abundance, not only for the Allred family, to make it feel more normal to us. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What are the mantras? What is it like? Such a good question. And honestly, this has taken me years to understand. And I don't feel like I'm fully understanding it yet. I feel like this is a process of learning what it feels like to truly live in abundance. So one of the first things that put me on this path of of learning and of of understanding what it feels like is the opposite. When I was living in a scarcity mindset or there wasn't enough and I was, I was the stories and the words that were coming out of my mouth, I was absolutely right when I would say, I didn't have enough time, I'm too busy. Or Ooh. I don't have enough money for that, I can't afford that. Or I don't have the energy for that, I'm not able to do that. Or I'm too sick for that. These things started coming out of my mouth and those were the stories that I was telling myself. And as a result, I was absolutely right because those words that were coming out of my mouth, I was creating a life that, that reflected what I was thinking and saying and doing, right? right? And so there was a period of 11 years where I really had an internal battle I was physically ill, debilitatingly ill to the point that I was in bed for many, many years. I went to doctor after doctor and had all of these diagnoses and and, um, from fibromyalgia to Hashimoto's to um, different things with um, my neck and my body. I mean, all of these different things. And it really was a really dark time in my life. And it doesn't mean that I wasn't, I didn't feel happiness. I didn't feel joy. I wasn't able to serve. In fact, now that I look back, that was actually the time where I was in bed wanting to use my art on technology and all I could hold was my phone. And that's actually when my app was developed because of all of this. So a lot of good things happened during that, but I started recognizing what kind of life I was designing. And I started to recognize the things that I was, the things that, that were in my mind, my thoughts, words, and actions, right? right? And King Benjamin in the Book of Mormon, he is absolutely right. Watch your thoughts, your deeds, and your actions, because that is what you will create. And it's not, it's, I, I don't believe that he's telling us this to feel guilty. You better watch what you're doing, you know, not that kind of thing. He's actually prophesying for us and saying, watch what you're thinking, watch what you're saying and watch what you're acting because this is the kind of life that you're creating. And to use a phrase that we are very familiar with, to fulfill the measure of our creation, I believe 
God wants us to think, act, speak big. He is, he is a God of abundance, right? And if you look at it, the whole reason that we're here, I believe, is to, we are gods and goddesses in training. Now, there was a phrase that came out of my, out of my mouth one time that, you know how sometimes you'll have these conversations where you know that you're being fed by the spirit, you're actually saying it, and you know that it's not you, and you know that it's, it is a direct teaching from God. My sister and I were had my sister-in-law and I were having a conversation and we were talking about this very thing and just kind of the struggles that we were having as mothers and watching our kids grow. And, and she's a businesswoman as well. And we were just kind of talking about the things that, um, that we were experiencing. And in that moment, these are the words that came out of my mouth. And, and really it was one of those, you know, electric, we both kind of looked at each other. And I said, if we are gods and goddesses in training, how can I expect to just jump to being an heir of everything that God has if I'm not willing to trust in him and step into what he really truly is magnifying for me and receiving it and accepting it and then learning how to grow with it? And all of a sudden, we started talking about the mansions prepared for us and everything. And I started thinking, so if we're on this earth living small, how does that Where's my faith in God, right? Where is my faith saying, I know that I am a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and eternal destiny. Do I believe that? You know, is that really who I am? Am I, am I stepping into that? And so these little teachings from the Holy Ghost testifying to me who I really am helped me understand what abundance feels like. And then I went to scripture and I started looking and he tells us all over in scripture that he is a God of abundance, that he can magnify, he can deliver, he can prepare all of these words that we just kind of use sometimes flippantly. I just started thinking, what does that look like in my life, in my business, in my, in my everyday personal practices, right? Am I really truly doing those things to design the life that I was born to live, not just on this earth, but in the eternities? And really, I, I realized that I had a disconnect from what I was doing on this earth to what I believe I can do in the eternities. Sarah, you and I have talked about this quote before that, that is electric for me. And I believe every woman should like I have this on there. I know which one you're going to say. <laughs> you know which one it is. So it's a, by Eliza R. Snow. And the first time I read it or heard it was in the book um, at the pulpit that is on the Gospel Library app. You can actually get it in a, in a book. But when I read this, electricity went through my body. And this is what she says. She says, in order to become a queen and priestess, we must be businesswomen. And you know, we have talked about this, Sarah, this, I mean, Eliza R. Snow said this. And here, how many decades in, in our church culture did we not even look, look at that or listen to it? And this is something that we talk about in our book, Designing Your Life. When I started to really understand what that was, because at first when I, when I heard it, I knew that there was something there and the spirit was like, unpack this. There's a lot in there. Wow. Go and camp on it. Really look at what this looks like. And I started recognizing that my 
perception of what a businesswoman is and what God's perception of what a businesswoman is. And probably what Eliza was saying in the spirit was a little bit different. And so I have really gone to the Lord and asked, teach me what your businesswoman looks like. I want to be your businesswoman. And as what a is result, she like? <laughs> exactly. And as a result, those, those limiting beliefs that I had, like I shouldn't be making a lot of money or um, these limiting beliefs, like who am I to, um, mm. to live large, right? Who am I to, to own my own business um, while I'm raising my family? Just all of these different limiting beliefs that either I was telling myself or that I was allowing these different cultural experiences to come into my mind. Really, again, it goes back to aligning with God and saying, what does that look like in my life? What is my measure and creation that you have put me on this earth and the eternities created me for eternity? What does that look like? So that is how, and I don't know if that normalizes it because honestly, I think, I think it's going to take um, just like what your family's doing to these narratives that we are sharing and really the divine narratives and not ignoring who we are and who we're meant to be. I feel like sometimes um, we have this mentality that it's humble to not yes. step into, right, right. And I, and I think that we are, I, I do not believe that that's what God means in being humble. I think that we get to reframe what humility looks like in our lives and in our, in our society and in our culture and recognize that it is actually strength, it is actually knowing who we are, our divine nature, right? And it is actually meekness that is propelling us to become the God, the God, the, the God and goddess, the queen and priestess, and the, the um, what is the other one? Queen and priestess, oh, king and priest, yeah, of course where we step together with the, with our, with our help meets. Right. And we really truly do understand what it looks like to become heavenly mother and heavenly father. So this is, that is, so, that is a little nutshell. <laughs> this is so critical. And I think everybody's like, how can I buy a ticket to a 4am conversation with Rana? Cause now they're seeing it. Now they're seeing what happens in those right. moments. Why this is so critical. So my, my question is, okay, this is going to seem a little bit out there. I think of the little mermaid. I think of Disney's the little mermaid and how she has largely been demonized for always wanting more, right? I mean, she sings about it. I want more. I want to be here. I want to experience this. Like it's been this kind of demonized way to be a woman. And so can you tackle that? Like listeners, I want you to realize that what she just did with showing you about stories and false beliefs and how they're being reframed, this is the key to the, to designing your life and living abundantly is the reframing of things. And so where do you feel like we got off track this way of feeling like humility was small, um, poor, you know, some of these, real, we're going to get real controversial here for a minute. Like, where did we get off track and how can you help us better see more false beliefs that we may be carrying in our own lives? I love that you asked that because for me personally, it has been going back to the stories of my ancestors. It's been looking mm. at the things that happened in their life. I mean, they were dealing with war and the depression and I mean, some really heavy, big things. And so 
I, I can never pretend that I understand what they were going through. I also, as a church culture, I also look back at what it looked like to be a young church where Joseph Smith restores the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then as a culture, learning how to grapple with some of the things that are new and different and, and really trying to understand what personal revelation looks like and what the, what the culture of Christ looks like. And, and really, um, mistakes were made. Mistakes are always made, right? Mm, and there's, and I believe that a mistake is, is not a bad thing. I believe that failure is not a bad thing. I believe that those things are part of learning. In fact, another reframe is, is there anything, is, is there such a thing as failure? If you look as, at failure as growth, then suddenly that reframes it and you're like, oh, okay, so this didn't quite work out. Mm, we, we made some mistakes here. Let's turn to Christ and let's see what he's going to help us learn wow. for, to, to create his culture. I believe his culture is a culture of growth, right? The growth mindset of the love of true compassion and charity and cheerleading, for for lack of a better word, really lifting each other up. So so going back to your question, there were some, some things that happened in my ancestors' lives. And I'm so thankful that they wrote these hard things down so that I could learn from them. And also understanding kind of some of the things that are in my DNA, right? I mean, there's some things that when we learn about what our ancestors do, I I learned that one side of the family um, is really susceptible to feeling the secondary emotion of anger. In fact, it is, it's kind of a joke in our family where, you know, knee jerk reaction, you get ticked off at something. And and when I learned that this, (laughs) this came um, generations down the line, you know, I start understanding, oh, okay, so how can I, how can I learn what my first emotion was that led to that knee-jerk secondary emotion of anger? So learning some of the really hard things that, um, for instance, I'm just going to tell you this really short story that really was impactful for me. So back in the 1930s, again, this is depression time, my grandpa and my grandma were living on a farm with his parents. It was a huge farm in Texas. And my grandpa wanted to learn from his dad how to grow crops. And so his, so my great grandpa was teaching my grandpa about how to do this, gave him a plot of land. And he and my grandma were, were creating, you know, this, this part, their, their farm and their crops and everything. And my grandpa didn't listen to his dad who said, don't plant all the same crops have, a, have um, a variation of crops that you're doing. Well, my grandpa decided to just do corn because he thought I can make more money. I can just get my crop of corn. Well, a huge tornado came and absolutely demolished everything in his farm. He, okay. They went down into a cellar. They heard the freight train. Um, everything was, they were, they were holding on to the door in the cellar so that they would not be sucked out. And when everything was settled and they opened up the door, they went out and everything that they had built was absolutely gone. My grandpa said that there wasn't even a, there wasn't even a blade of grass left. Everything was gone. Now, a painful part of the story is when he went to his dad, just in 
agony and pain and sadness, his dad said, I told you not to do that. And there was this rift in, in the, in the familial relationship. And I wasn't alive at this time, but this hurt and this anger came down from generations. There were stories that were retold that, that framed this in such a, you know, I'm the victim and this was so horrible. And the, the relationship, I never understood why we didn't have this relationship. And then as I started to read their stories, my heart went out to them and I thought, oh my goodness, there was hurt. There was anger. There was bitterness. There was, I'm the victim. And there wasn't um, compassion and forgiveness on this earth life. That was how they both passed away. But the thing that I am learning through the stories that they told is now I get to read those stories and I get to be a transitional transitional character in my story. And I can say, I'm not the victim of that anymore. And I can help them heal through the power of Jesus Christ by the way that I tell my story. So, wow. As we learn from our ancestors, and there are words in stories that either frame them as the victim or frame them as, um, we did not seek for riches. We sought for the kingdom of, I mean, there, there's a right. little bit of piousness in or piety. I don't know how you say that in some of the stories. And as I read them, I started thinking, you know what, that's, that's how they perceive their story. And then I get to learn from their story. And I don't believe that there's any, um, any failure or anything. I, in fact, I like to look at those and, and thank Heavenly Father, number one, for their bravery and courage to share those hard things, because that's really hard to do. But also asking Heavenly Father, now, how do I use that story of my ancestors to not only reframe who I am, right? But also help them because I do believe that we talk about the veil being thin. If I look at it really closely, both my grandpa and my great grandpa were businessmen and they learned things that now I get to learn in my business, right? There are things that there, there are little patterns that we can see through our families. And, um, I've really learned that as I start to tell my story and look and see what gifts and talents they had, I can ask Heavenly Father to bless me with those gifts and talents. Now, with a strength, there's also a weakness, right? Our strengths are our gifts and talents given to us from God, but there is always opposition. And so that weakness, sometimes when my grandpa is in his strength and, and living his, his, um, courage and bravery as a businessman, he went all out and he lived large and he did, you know, plant all that corn. But in his weakness, he didn't look and say, okay, what are some other principles that I can learn from? And so that, that happened. And now I get to look at that and say, okay, grandpa and great grandpa, what are some things that they had in their story that now I can live with as well? I do believe that as businesswomen and as just daughters in our, in our familial lines, our familial, familial generations, that we can look at what gifts and talents and weaknesses our ancestors had, and we can learn from them. And I, I so believe that when that learning is happening and we're going to the Lord asking to learn about that, that, and I'm not sure how this all works, I just know it's through Jesus Christ, that healing is taking place through the power of Jesus Christ's atonement on the other side of the veil. 
So unpack that, go to the scriptures. I mean, there's so much that we can learn from that, but really there is power in knowing who we are, who we come from, the stories that they told and then reframing them. And, and like I was saying before that, that um, mentality of scarcity, I do believe that it, it does come from scarcity saying that this is all that we are. Here's the ceiling. This is all that we're allowed to have that that can be reframed and say, actually, who are we? Who are we meant to be? Let's raise yes. that ceiling. Let's look to God and say, what do those mansions above look like? Cause I believe that he's teaching us those principles here on the earth too. Oh so, my word. Oh my That word. was a lot to unpack, I know. And that was a, a, a big question and also a big answer. <laughs> so needed. And I, you know, truly I would expect nothing less than something grand like that to be to be taught here. Um, my question stems from one of the scriptures that you pointed out. And this is actually a question that was submitted um, by a, a dear friend of mine where she feels like she really struggles. She understands an abundance of love, an abundance of service, an abundance of purpose and impact. And she gets really, really stuck when it comes to the dollar bills, when it comes to how is it possible um, for, for money and riches to be so, and I keep using the word demonized. That's the only word that's coming to my mind for in so many instances in the scriptures. And, um, and even, you know, we talk in general conference about the greatest calling is to be a mother and, uh, all these messages that she's experiencing, like you were talking about, you know, these messages that I'm hearing where she just can't come to terms with, with money with, with making six, seven more figures, you know, if she even puts a number to it, like, have you battled with that? I mean, if we're absolutely frank, I have been in your gorgeous home. I have seen the impact of your, your app. I've seen how you invite people and gather people and feed people. And I can see it so clearly how, how your abundance has blessed my life and millions of others. How do you help someone start on that journey to be okay with money in the bank? Can I just say it that bluntly? Yes. And I think, I think it's so healthy for us to speak about it bluntly because sometimes we tiptoe around it. And again, either, either they can be feeling stemming from fear of I'm not good enough and I shouldn't, um, I shouldn't write quote unquote, experience this kind of monetary abundance, but this is something that um, last year, 2020, which was very ironic that this ended up being my word of the year at the beginning, actually, I usually find, well, my word finds me usually in the summer of the year before, because I'm always praying about what, what is next? What do I need to learn more about? And so the summer of 2019, the word abundance found me to to declare, proclaim would be my word of learning for that for 2020. And then right. look at what happened in 2020. Many could, could, could say that was anything but a year of abundance. Right. And yet I learned, I do not believe that that was coincidence, that that's what the Lord was preparing me for. So I really went into um, a learning and, and really a tutoring from the spirit about what abundance looked like. And, and I, I created all of these affirmations that I would say daily and that I would work on weekly and monthly and, and quarterly. And one of them that I want to, this one came from 
my, my affirmations always stem from scripture or Latter-day Prophets or books that I'm reading or something. And then I, I create them and mold them into something that resonates with my spirit. So this is a combination of what we just talked about, about being queens and priestesses in training. It stems from President Nelson, his challenge to women asking us to, number one, um, ask, go to the Lord and ask what our spiritual gifts are, right? And I learned that one of my spiritual gifts, which kind of surprised me, is abundance. And I was like, oh, I love hold it. on here, because I, I didn't live in abundance for many years because I went through all of that. It's not humble. It's not, you know, all of these, you know, I'm not, this isn't what our family does. And, you know, all of this, all of these things yes. that, that, all these stories that I told myself. And then I was listening to a, an audio book by Wendy Ulrich that actually is about women and the priesthood. And when she said this, this, this resonated in a way that I was like, aha, that's what I get to start leaning into. And this is what it is. This is one of my affirmations, my affirmations. I am a queen and a priestess in training and I distribute God's resources from an attitude of abundance. So this completely shifted what I looked as dollar signs and money. If I looked at the money as God's resources, not mine, that he has given to me, then the expansion and the flow of abundance and his resources can flow to me and through me in a way that I invite daily. And I say, of course, I would want to share this with others because that's God's way, right? He's sharing every dollar, every cent, every million that I receive, right, is all God's resources. So if I receive them with and from an attitude of abundance and I I let it flow to me and through me, then that is the way distribute God's abundance and God's resources from an attitude of abundance. That was like, bam, like, like mind blowing to me. So that is, that is one of the things that my husband and I look at. And, and sometimes we have to stop because we will get in a very um, scarce mindset sometimes because living large also there's a lot of stewardship and a lot of responsibility, right. Right? right? And so truly we look at this home, we look at every dollar that comes in, we look at every, um, our cars, everything. And we, we say, this is God's home. This is God's car. Which is this true. Is God's, I've seen God's you do income, that. Right? And honestly, it has completely changed the way that I feel about those dollars because I'm not holding them. I'm not holding on to them right? If, if we feel to save this, because this is our stewardship, then we will. But if we feel to give this away, because this is our stewardship to give away, then we will. So that, that was seriously one of those mind blowing things that came out of 2020 that I just went. And then this is the, this is the next affirmation that I would say that that goes right into it. I am aligned with the energy of abundance because sometimes I wouldn't be aligned and I wouldn't be able to feel the flow from him and through me. And that align, that realignment almost daily saying, saying these, these affirmations over and over and then believing them, believing that, that truly every dollar that comes 
that comes to me gets to go through me, whether I put it in the bank, whether I give it to somebody else, whether I spend it on something else, it is God's resource. This, this is so huge. This is so huge. And I feel like I have conceptually understood this for a few years. I would probably say a few years and yet I haven't had the verbiage. And I feel like I just experienced like this podcast is clearly for me because I haven't (laughs) had the verbiage of what that looks like. Cause when you, you will listeners, you will have a chance to connect with Rana at some point you will just because of how I she impacts the world. <laughs> yes. And when you enter her home, if I were to create a visual, it would be her husband and her standing on that porch with their hands outstretched. It is so like, like you were saying that it's, it's welcome. That's this is not ours. And you have said that so many times, even when we were in your home, you just said, this isn't ours. Like this is to fulfill his work. And she's like practicing what she preaches, which is so, so incredible. And one of the other concepts, and I'll just ask you one last question here. One of the other concepts that I have learned from you is you, you have earned, you have earned your stripes, so to speak, as far as knowledge and spirituality and abundance. And even within this interview, so many times you've said, well, yeah, well then I just talk with God and I, and I say that, 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 or, okay, we're trying to create the culture of Christ. Okay. Let's talk with God and, and everything like that. Like it's such a natural instinctive way for you to live so aligned vertically with, with your maker and your heavenly parents. And so listeners like notice that notice how she's quoting Wendy Ulrich's book about the priesthood. Notice how she's fully immersed in the scriptures. And, and I, I know you mentioned a little bit that you had many years in which you were in bed sick, like with young kids, with, with Mm -hmm. kids that you probably wanted to be on the floor with and at the park with and all this kind of stuff. So number one, it's a story of hope to me. Your story is a story of hope. And second, that it can be learned to live the way that you are striving to live. It is a learned thing. So if you, if you had a listener here who was someone who felt like the only way in which their spirit is shifting is, you know, attending a Zoom meeting and listening to general conference, how can they get started for more? How do they just start if they, if what you've resonated, if what you've said resonates with them and they're like, oh, she's so far ahead of me. How do they start? Such a good question. Let me answer it by telling you the story. There was a time where I was in that deep um, sickness and darkness and, and quite frankly, depression. And I was, um, I was in Relief Society, which I'll be completely frank and honest, I didn't want to be there. I was, yeah. I was sick and I didn't even, just sitting in the chairs was just painful. And, and I dragged myself to church. And there was a discussion in Relief Society that day. And a woman who I really... She was probably about 10 years older than I am. And she said something that completely shifted me. And she said that once her children went to, they were all in school, there would be days that she would, as soon as they left in the morning, she would start to study scripture. And there would be days that she lost track of time that suddenly they were home and she didn't even realize it. And my first reaction was like, 
that's a bunch of baloney. How could you ever be so into scripture that you lose track of time? I mean, it, honestly, I will be so frank. This is what I was, this was the dialogue in my mind. Right. And then there was a spark inside of me that ignited that said, how did she get that? I want that. Yeah, I want that. And it was small and it was quiet. And I had to quiet it down from all of that mental chatter and batter that was going on going that's whatever you know oh look at her she's you know I mean honestly that's what was going on in my head but in my heart the spirit was like stop and look at what who she is and what she's doing and the word that came to my mind that spoke straight to my heart from the spirit was you've got to pay the price and that really put me on a path of seeking to know what that price was that I had to pay. And this was, I'd say it was at least 15 years ago that this happened. And for the past 15 years, I have been paying the price. Now my price that I pay looks different every day. The, the path that I go on every day is a little bit different And I've learned not to get frustrated about where I am on that path. And just to say to God, I have the desire to work and to pay the price to receive this spiritual guidance that I desperately need. We all desperately need to be tutored and receive this personal revelation. And I love, I mean, in those 15 years, look at what prophets and apostles and might I add the women general leaders who are so in tune with the things that we're doing. Talk about learning how to pay the price. These sisters are such great examples for us to to pay the price of womanhood and sometimes motherhood and sometimes careerhood, right? Um, Whether it's serving in your PTA or whether it's it's, um, going to the food shelter, whatever your, your path is taking you, they are showing us these examples of how to come to Christ. And then once we come to Christ and we're paying that price and we're going to him every single day, then this is where we just start bringing souls to Christ, right? I love those two differences, right? Come to Christ, that's our personal responsibility and path. But then we get to bring others to Christ, right? We're not, we're not dragging them and, you know, kicking in. We're saying, hey, come with us. Come with me. And that, to me, is that linking arm in arm with the women that are, that are around us and saying, let's all come to Christ. Let's, let's bring each other to Christ because we, women need women. Business women need business women. Mothers need mothers. Wherever we are, we need each other because we can learn from each other. And I believe that when our spirits truly connect, that's when that's part of paying the price. It takes work to connect. It really does. It takes, it takes time. It takes authenticity. It takes love. It takes humility. And it takes, um, I'm looking right behind you and your hashtag light makers. It takes us learning how to make that light, right? And to bring that light to each other and to keep that light um, the light of Christ. He is the light. So anytime you say light maker, you're a Jesus maker, right? That you're a Jesus bringer. I mean, it's all focused on Jesus and love. And that really is um, pay the price to know him, pay the price to know who he is to you and how he feels about you and what he has done for you 
And that's when it becomes second nature because you are truly his disciple. And then you disciple others. Oh, Rana. There could be no better person to have on this podcast today. No better person. (laughs) I am just, I'm so grateful. And you know, one of the cool things listeners is I think all of us, and I think Rana can attest to this, that we have all sat in those moments where we've looked at someone and we've said, I want that. I want that. And with what we've been taught so beautifully from you, what we realize is anyone can have it. Mm-hmm. Anyone can have it. And so it's that declaration. And I'm just going to keep this in my notebook. Just I'm willing to pay the price. And that's yes. all it takes is I'm willing to pay the price. And I, I believe, you know, as a, as a business person that you've provided beautiful ways for people to pay the price in beautiful organized ways through books and workbooks and courses and um, listeners, if you're feeling that, like if you're feeling, I am hearing how Rana is living and what she's experiencing. And that, I want that. I want that. You can connect with her at RanaDesigns.com. It'll be in the show notes. I tell you what, I have done the course. She's got a book out now, workbooks. She did a whole thing on abundance. Like she's living the dream in so much of what we're trying to accomplish here. And I think what's so neat about what you do is I've always felt like the word um, feminist has kind of a bad connotation to it. Right. And I actually like, I don't love it. Storytelling for sure. For (laughs) sure. And I'm like, if anyone could reframe what a feminist of Christ looks like, it's you, it is you. This is what it looks like with a marriage that is diehard strong and working every day to create something amazing in a business that's inclusive and inspiring. I mean, all the things. So I just, I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom here and setting such an awesome example of what we can become through Christ. Thank you, Sarah. I love you. And I love all of you that, that we get to reframe it, right? We get to do this together. We're all in this together. So thank you. Latter-day Ladypreneur is brought to you by Sarah Grace Live, audio work done by Rachel Johnston. Huge thanks to the Sarah Grace Live team for pursuing our dream of Esther 414. Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Playing big in business is an incredible road to you becoming who God created you to be. Find coaching, classes, community, and my key strategies to playing big in the show notes and at sarahgracelive.com. Thanks for listening.